freaking out out. This is Brock and Saul. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buhner just punched me in the kidney. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you on the internet. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Saul. Hello! All right, final hour of the Brock and Salk show for today. Uh, We've learned a lot today, Brock. It's been a little all over the map this week so far. um, Hopefully, we'll do something more serious in the next few days. Jeff Passan's going to join us tomorrow. Uh, No KJ tomorrow. That's been postponed a week. He's heading to the Super Bowl. So uh, we'll talk to KJ next week at 8 o'clock on Wednesday uh, for his uh, final KJ Wright show of the year. Coach McDonald at some point, maybe? We're hoping. Yeah, we'd love to talk to the coach. Yeah, a lot of of negotiations behind the scenes on how to make that happen. I mean, he's kind of busy. I mean, he's kind of Understandable, yeah. Trying to put uh, this uh, staff together and all that good stuff. We would like to talk to him. Brock, what is uh, is your big Michael Penix uh, revelation? Revelation, yes. Yeah, as we heard Jim And then I'm going to need a Lance Nix commentary later on. Sorry about that. That's my bad. Plus, I called him a second baseman. He was an outfielder. Whatever. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Both their last names end in the next. That will never happen again in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and Oregon and Washington QBs, last names end in an It X. is really bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from Kirk Herbstreet to Daniel Jeremiah to Jim Nagy, they all have such a hard time finding a comp for Michael Penix because there really isn't one. In a day and age, Salk, where there are so many QB gurus, you heard Jim say, like Bo's down there training with Derek May and a couple other guys from, from junior high. You know, God bless Jay mm-hmm. Keeps. Right now, he's wor- he works with junior high kids to, to start to shape their throwing motion, Salk, and their delivery and make sure these mechanics are square. And then you get to high school and the high school coaches and all of the programs and all the training grounds and all the seven-on-seven seven and all the throwing gurus, not too different than pitching in this regard, right? If you went and watched high school pitching today, Salk, like I do, you know, I get a chance to watch some of the high school baseball around here. And like, my gosh, there's all these guys that can throw upper 80s, low 90s. And if you don't throw low 90s, you know, a, a scholarship, collegiate scholarship, not going to happen. And, and part of that's because their mechanics are so good. Mm-hmm. They're learning the biophysics and all of it. Michael Penick's delivery is Jim Furyk. Michael Penick's delivery <laughs> is Keegan Bradley. Michael Penick's delivery is Scotty Scheffler. Michael Penick's delivery is Matthew Wolf. And as you said, that's about it. You don't go much beyond four and Furyk's on the Champions Tour. So you watch these pro golfers. I remember being at the Masters. And you hear people say this all the time. When you go to a pro event, go watch them on the driving range. You know, go make sure you get there early and watch them warm up because that can be as fascinating as watching them during a round where they like hit one shot and then you got to walk and wait. And But you watch them on the range. You watch their drills. You watch them work. And it's like a, it's clockwork. Yeah. I mean, the rhythm of their swings and their, you know, how they impact the ball. Sure, there's a few different shapes, but by and large are tempos, but by and large are all pretty. <laughs> by and large are all easy to watch. Yeah, those four guys stand out and and really, I mean, Furyk's now old, right? He's on the Champions Tour, as you said. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, Keegan's weird only because he's so tall and uses short clubs. That's more of a fidgets, body type thing. Fidgets like crazy. But, but yeah, I mean, really, it's just Matthew Wolf and I guess Scotty with his weird leg jumping mm-hmm. thing that he does. And that's about it. Like, yeah, you're yeah. right. Everybody else is pretty pure, pretty similar. And Drake May's delivery, pretty similar to Bo Nick's delivery, pretty similar to Caleb Williams' mm-hmm. delivery, pretty similar. Just go down the list. And all of a sudden, there's this just long armed. We talk about that at the senior bowl as measurements. His arms are the length of a 6'6 tight end. 
you know, go, go gadget arms with these just more dually fingers that wrap around a football twice, right? He's just got these almost 11 inch hands and then he just slings it like a slingshot and they don't even step into it. Salk. I mean, I got killed and ripped because I threw off my back foot. Well, guess what he does a lot of? He's off his back. It doesn't even look like he's getting through the shot, through the motion. He's just slinging it across his body. And yet he creates a velocity and a whip that is so different than anybody else. Philip Rivers had an awkward delivery. Like when you want to think about right. first round elite but dudes. But you can't make that comp because he's so much more athletic. He's 6'5", than... 240. He right. was huge. He was a big man. But this guy's Penix more athletic is... than that. Oh, Penix for sure. Right. I mean, like totally. But he plays the game the same kind of, but he largely plays, mm. as Jim said, 95% of his game, Salk. But he's athletic. Philip Rivers was so unathletic that to me that makes it sort of hard. Jeff George is the other one that's come up a bunch. Smaller build, rocket for an arm, awkward yeah, delivery. But, he, but his release wasn't really that awkward. He had a little bit of a windup. He dropped the ball just a little bit, but it was not anywhere near three-quarter, you know, just funky, unfundamental with his footwork and everything else. That's what one of the scouts said when I asked him down there at the senior boy. I said, hey, give me your impression on Penix. And he's like, man, he just, I mean, he throws lasers and rockets, but mm-hmm. his feet are just not always set. They're not pretty. It's not prototypical. It's not what you want to see, right? It's not just this effortless golf swing that all of a sudden they're, they're rockets the ball 300 yards and you understand why. Because it's Rory McIlroy and that thing is textbook. You know, we had a little um, advertisement with Golf Tech there for a little while. And I remember going over to their facility and it was really cool because they take a video of you, motion kind of capture you mm-hmm. and everything else and try to compare your frame, your size, your length, all these things to golfers. And it's like, oh yeah, here's easy Ernie Els. You know, he's 6'4", and, you know, he's, he's a big guy, yep. and look at his swing. And I'm like, yeah, but look at his flexibility and his <laughs> elbow and his shoulders, and I can't, right, do, I can't that. do that. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I do that, I've and I'm going to pop of, my uh, rotator cuff. I've watched a lot of uh, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, right? And, like, Tommy, his ability to get his arm, his elbow almost behind him as it's coming down, is it's shocking. You said uh, there's some machine out there now that yes. you can hook up to with all these bands. It's one of the coolest things position. I've seen uh, Instagram reel or whatever on is, yeah, that's essentially what it is. So you, it's a big machine. I don't think there are too many of them around. It's but like you, Pinocchio and the puppeteer. It moves yes. your limbs so all around. You, yes, you attach yourself to the machine, and then okay. they put in like Rory McIlroy swing. And it will move your arms, hips, you know, uh, uh, club, et cetera, exactly into that pattern. I think it just moves the club and you end up having to like go with it. And you see people, they're like essentially injured trying to do it. Yes. Yeah. Correct. What they use it for is they get your perfect swing and then you can keep like doing it over and over again to really mm-hmm. feel it. I would love to do that because yeah. I would love to feel what I'm getting wrong. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Oh, that's how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. All right. Let me try that. Well, if you did that with Michael Penix, if somehow you could it put yourself in a Michael Penix like bodysuit. Yeah. And then you had to throw the ball with that kind of whip and where his feet are and everything else. So it's unorthodox. And it's hard for these guys to evaluate. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in what Daniel Jeremiah said, like this really long-legged, high-cut, kind of awkward. And the injury thin and, lean, and all the injury history. And he makes for one heck of a confounding projection. Where are we going to put him? Mm. You know, where do we want? Is he going to be a top 20 guy? Is he going to be a top? It sure feels like as this thing goes along, he has got to change that narrative. You know, through what's going to be next, the combine, and so he's got to go out there and run four six, right, and show that hey, hold on a second, 
Okay, don't put, don't lump me in this unathletic pocket passer kind of thing. Like, hey, Caleb, go run. He won't at the combine. These top guys probably won't. But Panic's better, and you better go jump, and you better go broad jump, and you better go show them that actually locked in this body, mm-hmm. even though it's banged up, and even though I never hardly ever chose to play this club and run, I can still do it. Because he's going to be much more dynamic, I think, in that way than he played the game with a knee brace on and, and slinging it between the tackles. So he's going to be fun to watch, as will Bo, as will all these quarterbacks. And J.J. McCarthy, don't even add to this conversation, but he's another one, too. This, this you know, last year's QB class was fun. And we talked a lot about it because the Seahawks had the number five pick in the draft. Right. 16 is a whole lot different. But as far as Baskin-Robbins, different flavors of QBs, and what you want and where they may fall and how aggressive teams are going to be and a first-time head coach and would you you know want to take the yada, yada, yada. This is going to be pretty fascinating. And as Jim said, with really fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-round grades this year, not being very good, mm-hmm. how many teams are going to be just hyper-aggressive to go forget this? We'll take four picks. You know, We'll trade all of our lights to get into the first, second, or third round of this sucker so we can actually get the guys that can make an impact in 2024. Well, good stuff, and thank you, Brock. That's uh, it's fun. This is uh, I love this time of year as we start looking at team building and trying to figure out what the Seahawks should look like next year. I, uh, I'm excited for this offseason. There's a lot of interesting directions for them to go. Bummer not to have a second-round pick. A whole new scheme, but, too, yeah, man, right? A whole new set of eyes, whole new staff. Offense and defense. Yes. I mean, there's, just so many, there's so many unknowns right now, but it makes the conversation. I think pretty fun. Uh, all right, let's see. We've got uh, ranked coming up here in a little over a half hour. Uh, I got a Mariners. Yeah, you know what? Let's do that tomorrow. Uh, maybe in and around passing. Mm. Come right back. We'll give you everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 SeattleSports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, it's interesting. It's been somewhat quiet. I think I was expecting this staff to get filled out very quickly. And not that they've not been active. The Seahawks have done some things. Certainly, the Leslie Frazier hire was a really big one. Steve Tasker from Buffalo, of course, was on the air yesterday with, I believe, Wyman and Bob talking about that. He's one of those guys that great guy to have on the team. I really think he's an outstanding individual, first and foremost. He's The first thing you find out about him, you read his bio. He's part of the 85 Bears team. He's got all that history and he's been in the league for so long. Got a wealth of knowledge. Just a wonderful dude. I think his players really liked him as a coach. I think he was really really beloved by his players when he was here in Buffalo. Yesterday, a couple other uh, additions. Sounds like Jay Harbaugh, son of Jim, is going to be the special teams coordinator. Kirk Olivadotti comes from the Green Bay Packers. He'll coach the linebackers. I don't know. I'm not disappointed. I'm really excited yeah. about everything they've done. I, for some reason, kind of expected that by now we'd know more of it, but I don't know that that's necessarily a problem. Just sort of surprising. Well, I, I think you got a lot of a lot of teams rounding out their staffs. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have some, some movement at the, at the college level I think you're maybe more engaged sulk at the collegiate level than you've been the pool beforehand was largely NFL guys but now I mean Chip Kelly a standing power five coach at UCLA has interviewed for some of these offensive coordinator jobs in the NFL crazy we've seen a power five head coach Jeff Halfley leave that spot to be a coordinator uh, for the Packers so yeah, I don't think it's as simple as that supply chain of just other NFL coaches I think it's broadened out, and mm-hmm. Ryan Grubb obviously still in that consideration and conversation. That'll be the next big domino. No offense to any of these other guys. It's just head coach Leslie Frazier, the big one. But now you got to find your offensive staff, your offensive identity, and hiring that coordinator. 
a critical component of it. Yeah, it sounds like they did want to go defense from the start. Diana Rossini with that report yesterday. And they knew what they wanted from the start. I was told they were looking for a Pete Carroll type, just younger. They yeah. they were going defense right out of the gate. They they, they they were moving in that direction. That they wanted to go defense. Did you get that sense? I did not. And I certainly, I don't know. Was that a red herring then from John Her- uh, John Schneider? When he spoke to the press and said, hey, listen, if you go defense, here's the challenge versus going offense. And Maybe. And also, like, at his press conference with McDonald the other day, how many times did he mention Detroit in addition to Baltimore, how he was hoping they would both lose so that he could talk to both Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald? So I'm not questioning her reporting. She seems like an excellent reporter, but that does sort of surprise me mm-hmm. and feels like it goes kind of against what it felt like here in Seattle during that time. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, Mariners roster certainly uh, starting to round out here. I don't know how much more additions we will see. It'd be nice if there was one more. It really is. It feels like they've really done a lot in the last couple of weeks since the Garver signing to make their team better. And I do think they look a little bit better. They look deeper offensively. I think they'll be more consistent. And certainly that pitching staff is dynamic in so many different ways. But that same frustration has not gone away of like, man, you're so close. You're right there with Texas and Houston. You know, you look at the Zips projections and they say, okay, or Pakota rather, says you're maybe a game and a half behind the World Series champs. Go find a way to bring in that game and a half and get on top of this thing. You know, one thing that we have not talked a lot about, and we will over the coming weeks, and we're going to be down there in three weeks, pitchers and catchers report next week. Shannon Mm -hmm. uh, will follow right along there with the pitchers and catchers. One thing we haven't talked about that came in, there was some clarity to this yesterday as I was reading Ryan Divish's piece over the weekend. This could be a prove-it mode, not a fat and happy mode. It's going to be a lot of guys that are kind of either at the stage of their career, have to have bounce back kind of years, maybe not on the arms front, but certainly on the positional front and the bats front. Like you got to go, you go prove it. JP, was that a one-year deal? You know, a one-year aberration? Or are you really this guy, Ty France? Are you going to turn it around, Plonk? Or are you going to be healthy enough? Uh, Hanniger, can you stay stable out there? Julio, can you do it month after month after month and not have some of the peaks and valleys? Mm-hmm. And as Divish wrote about, club not real excited about the shape Gino Suarez came in last year. Came into camp out of shape, kind of came into the, you know, hey, look at what we just did. Look at this 20-year drought we ended. Look at how good we are. Look how we played Houston better than anybody else. Look how close we are. It's going to be, I think, a different temperament, a different mood in Peoria beginning next week. Here's the third thing you need to know. Commissioner spoke yesterday. He wasn't the only one, but uh, Roger Goodell asked about the uh, biggest story in the NFL. Of course, that's Taylor Swift. Here's what he said. Having the Taylor Swift effect is also a positive. Listen, they're both Travis and Taylor are wonderful young people. They seem very happy. She knows great entertainment, and I think that's why she loves NFL football. But I think it's great to have um, have her a part of it. Uh, obviously, it, it creates a buzz. It creates uh, a, another group of young fans, particularly young women, that um, are interested in seeing why is she going to this game? Why is she interested in this game? Besides Travis, she's a football fan. And I think that's great for us. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I, I may have said after the AFC Championship for the first time, I felt a little manufactured. Mm-hmm. But I never said this was bad for either side. I mean, this is tremendous for the NFL. If Jim Nagy is a tremendous marketer of the Senior Bowl <laughs> and Reese has been a great partner, 
Roger Goodell and his team on Park Avenue, Salt, marketing this brand, this game, They're amazing. nationally, internationally, in Germany, in Munich, a huge home run in London, been to Bonanzas, and now they're going to go to Brazil to kick off the 2024 season. I mean, they are marketing geniuses 365 days Too much hugging for more, though. Too much hugging for more. Yeah. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Poor Mora. Very upset about all the uh, Taylor Swift hugging with her friends. I'm not upset about that. You seemed upset. I don't know. Are you saying you and Jeanette and Nicole, you guys aren't huggers? I hug my friends usually if I meet up with them, probably when I first see them and when I leave. I don't hug them throughout the entire occasion. That's what she I mean, I reached out to Tom and Joey. said, very uncomfortable hug. They they both on their end, too. You said it was uncomfortable. They said it was uncomfortable. Oh, oh yeah. You you pulled people that I've hugged recently. It was awkward. Doesn't well, take, it wasn't a lot. I mean, there's only three. Take that long. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a pretty short list of people. Are you so. guys complaining that I don't hug you? Is that what no, this is about? Absolutely not. No, this is a professional no, work environment. I would yes. never do anything like that. That's insane. I want to continue working. What are you crazy? Gosh, but would you, I, would you hug Julio if he went in for a hug, or would you do the handshake because that's professional? Uh, that's, I would, that's for everybody. I would love a hug from Julio. <laughs> I'm not gonna Julio? lie. <laughs> I would absolutely love. It, it, it is a Justin hug from Julio. It's a funny thing about it is a funny thing about Sulky, right? He is he's a you know got some of that northeastern blood that we talked about yesterday that I think has some of that at least. In my media life experience, mm-hmm. some in the Northeast, maybe not as warm, friendly, huggy, touchy. Salk's a good hugger. I love hugging. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm you should see, hugger. oh my gosh, if you want to see like yesterday, Gertie and Maureen just hit it off, right? Those two, Maura, just a dog lover and your little Gertie felt it immediately. If you want to see two bros hug in a way that's like, wow, mm. that's as good a two guys hugging as you're ever going to see. Bro down hug. It's Howdy and Salk. Oh, we have a good oh. hug. I mean, G and I have good is. hugs too. I have a hug you, with G almost every day. Yep. Yeah. But you and Howdy. I mean, that is. Whew, Howdy's a great hugger. <laughs> I, I got this. Uh, I got this text from Huge my friend. Shoulders. In, I got this text from a friend in Chicago. Right. He's uh, in the media in Chicago. He says, "Hey, by the way, like two years ago, I was walking in the station's lobby at Prudential and saw a tall, handsome athlete walking right at me. It was Julio." Wilson's in the building. Mariners were in town. It was like running into Willie Mays at Macy's in the 50s. <laughs> I wrote him back and was like, "Yeah, he's got the most beautiful eyes, doesn't he? And he said, yes, like eight exclamation <laughs> points. That's how I recognized him. Yep. <laughs> uh, Julio's not going to talk to us this year. He's going to be like, nope, I'm out. Not going to speak to you, you guys. Very creepy. Creepy. Very All right. Julio Brock, according to some of these uh, projections, ranks number six in terms of projected war in 2024 number six among position players i got a couple of other mariner uh projections for you some might surprise you some might sound right on the nose i'll do it with you next i'm brock and salt talk powered through the alaska airline studio on seattle sports and the seattle sports app we actually got text brock saying the peanut butter M&Ms were better than Reese's Pieces, which I just think is madness. 
If we do recent, if we do uh, which is better at some point in the future, that'll be yeah. on there because that's just that's nutsy to me. I so can't. is it Reese's or Reese's? It's Reese's. I know okay. a lot of people say Reese's, but that's right. one of those malapropisms. Like gotcha. it's a Reese's. Reese's. Yeah, but uh, yeah, a lot of people because of the Reese's and the pieces and the way they right. all you know, the words kind of come together. Yeah, you'll yeah. hear a lot of Reese's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh, fairly normal. Julio Brock is uh, according to our friends at Zips Dan Zimborski's uh, projection system. Julio projects as the number six position player in terms of war. All of this is in terms of wins above replacement for the upcoming season. Probably not a huge surprise, right? Mm -hmm. That's about where you would expect Julio to be. But I thought some of the other numbers, I don't know if you read the email and know all of these already that I sent, but Cal Raleigh at number 36, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good spot to be. JP at 54. The next one on their list is Polanco at 106, and then it's Ty Urias at 166, and then Garver actually below him. Now, some of that is because of the DH factor versus playing the field. But still, I mean, like, given how much people have been mad about that move in particular, myself included, mm-hmm. projection systems actually think he might be pretty good as long as he's healthy. He's had some good seasons, and they expect him to be again. Does that does that change at all the way you view this team? Well, is this a similar conversation as we have to the hockey team in town? Like, is there enough stars? Mm. You know, there's a word that Aaron Goldsmith used, and it was one of the first weeks, right? Right after the season ended and you were out somewhere, and Aaron came in. I said, okay, now what what is going to be your buzzword for this offseason? And it's, and it's stuck with me since he said it. Impact. impact. Yeah. What impact. Is that enough impact players? If you were to do that study and look at Texas and Houston in your own division, I'm going to guess they probably are a little higher in some of those areas with their positional players. Probably with, at the top end, for yeah, sure. Yeah, with with Altuve and just you know some of the different pieces they still have. Mm-hmm. And we saw that with Texas and their depth of that lineup last year with Simeon and Seager and even some of the other pieces that really came to life. I mean, that, that was the key to Texas last year. You know, Going into last season, it was going to be Houston. It was going to be Seattle. You close the gap, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, who is this Texas team and how are they doing this? Well, their stars were stars, Simeon and Seager. And when Seager was healthy, those two just set the table. So, but if you really think about it and remember it, it was the rest of their guys Mm -hmm. taking a significant step. And for some having career years, and that's going to be the key really, I think coming into this. And as, as we dig in further over this month and we're down there and through spring training and everything else, can you do what Texas did? Can, you know, six, seven, eight, nine in your lineup, can they just take take steps forward or be what they've been when they've been at their very best on their baseball card? Well, that'll certainly be a part of it. The other part, though, is what you're looking at on the pitching side. By the way, can I stop you real quick? Where did you say? You said Cal was 36. Where was JP? 54. He's in the 50s. Okay. Yeah. All Cal right. 36, JP 54, then a little bit of a gap before you get to Polanco at 106, then Ty 137, Urias 166, Garver, Garver 173. Yeah. Pitchers? Different story. <laughs> yeah. When you look at this, it's like, oh man, Castillo seven, Kirby twelve, Gilbert seventeen. If you assume that there are thirty number one starters in the game, you have three of them. That's kind of ridiculous, right? I mean, your numbers one, two, and three starters should all be number one starters on roughly half of the teams in baseball. That's amazing. That's really, really impressive. Yeah, that's why Jerry Depoto last year with us and passing as well. Like, hey, man, we're the envy. Just mm-hmm. be careful. There's, there's a lot of organizations out there that would be very envious of the kind of young 
core in roster. Two of those three are still extremely young pitchers. Miller's number 62, which would put him just into the third member of a staff range, mm-hmm. right? It would make him one of the best number three starters in the game. And according to this, he'd be your number four. And then Miller, uh, as I have Miller number th- at 62, oddly, their next starting pitcher on this list is Darren McCacken. Yeah, I'm a big fan of McCacken. Which is odd. No, he had a couple McCacken. of spot starts last year, but he he slots in at 96, Brian Wu at number 109. Mm-hmm. And, okay, that would make six pitchers all in who should be number four starters or better. Yep. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Like, isn't isn't that kind of what you're looking for? And then you get to the bullpen, which we've referenced. You get three of the top ten as far as war projections with uh, the move of Santos. and Two of the top ten, three throwers. of the top 11. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this team is not a bad team. I know there are people that think they've gotten worse or they're bad. And, you know, I see a poverty franchise. And I'm frustrated that they won't commit to add the one more piece that it would take to take this lineup and put it over the top. Because then you look at the Pakota projections, which came out today, Brock, for Mm -hmm. essentially uh, these are win total projections for the whole league, and they're right there at 85 still. Hmm. They're still right there at 85 wins. Oddly, Texas is only only at 86 wins. They have them a game behind Texas. But Houston's at 95. Right? New York's at 94. But look, I mean, these things are a little funky. I think Baltimore is the best team in the American League. They have Baltimore at 86 and a half wins. Hmm. So, you know, the way the way things will change and 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 injuries and everything else that will factor into this, yep. these things are not biblical, right? Like, oh, this is how it's going to go down. Yep. But it does give you a sense of what they've done this offseason, what they've done nicely, and also what they could still accomplish with just a little bit more. Yep. And I know there are still people in this organization that are pushing for that. I know that for a fact. I know based on conversations I've had with people inside the organization that they're not done trying and pushing and trying to get a little bit more out of ownership into this budget to try to make this team a little bit better. That it's been a good start. Now finish the job. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the conversations I want to have tomorrow or tomorrow, Brock, when we've got a little bit more time, is I want to put myself and yourself in Scott Service's shoes and in Cal Raleigh's shoes. How are you going to handle this when you show up at spring training and your players ended the year mad? Your team ended the year disappointed. The offseason didn't go the way they'd hoped it would after that, uh, after those comments. Mm -hmm. And yet there was quite a bit done to to make the team better, albeit in various marginal ways. It's going to be a fascinating and maybe even awkward at times start to spring training as Cal Raleigh's got to go talk to, you know, Dom Canzone and, and, and Rojas and say, hey, I'm psyched you're here. Right. Yeah. I'm pushing the team to do more, but that doesn't mean I'm not excited about you. Right. As Scott's got to figure out what he wants to say to the team about, you know, how much they did or didn't do this offseason as Jerry's got to be in and around those players. And I think he wants to be a little bit more active and involved and engaged with them than ever before to avoid some of the problems they've had the last few seasons. So 
this spring training is weird and should be fascinating. I think we'll have a little bit more time to delve deeply into that tomorrow. Yeah, and Passon will join us tomorrow to dig into all of these conversations and more. Again, I'll reference back to, to Divish's piece there that was out over the weekend as he looked at the moves they made and the guys that, that moved out and pointed to Gino Suarez as very disappointing when he came into camp and it didn't help with the WBC either and just not in the kind of condition and not in the kind of shape. And then Salk, you further that and remember what the narrative was last March and into April. And it cannot be that again. The narrative that we are now World Series mm -hmm. contenders on a whiteboard World Series. Mr. Stanton on our station, day of the first game of the year, we are World Series contenders. That stuff has got to stop. It's got to stop. You know, that you just can't, you, you, even though Texas has won it and Houston's won it, and right in your own division, the teams you compete against the most, you know what it's at. And, and in many ways, you may feel you're not that far away. Mm -hmm. And based on these projections, certainly with Texas, you're not that far away. Yeah, but you're not a World Series. But I mean, you're not a World you, Series. You look at this. So, so again, I'm just going to take what Pakoda says. And I think there's a lot of positive here. Is that I know Jeff Pakoda or Mark Pakoda? Pakoda uh, is the name of the pro projection system at baseball Timmy, perspective. Timmy Pakoda. Yes. Lance Pakoda. Yeah. Uh, so second baseman at Texas, Lance Pakoda. Okay. I, um, <laughs> yeah. I know there are people who think I'm trying to sell you on this. I'm I'm not selling okay. you on it at all. I'm just Give me the World Series contenders. Say. The Dodgers are. Right, who has the highest percentage World Dodgers. Series? Well, I only have the American League in front oh, of me. Sorry. American I only took the American League here. Highest World Series. Yankees. They're number two. Number one is Houston. 12.1%. Okay. Yankees are number two at 10.8. Number three. Minnesota. Hmm. Kind of strange. But mm -hmm. I think they, their path to winning in the AL Central helps them. They have them at 5.4%. All right. Then you get a couples in the fours and the three. The Mariners are 2.5%. Yep. They're 2.5%. That's not a World Series contender. Mm -mm. Right? I mean, that's a team that could luck into it. That's a team that could, you know, have a couple of, a couple of, of things fall their way. But that's not a World Series contender. Oddly, though, they got Texas at 3.9. It's not like that's significantly higher. But a 2.5% chance to win the World Series? I think you're looking for more than that. I'm going to guess Texas, if we could look back at 2023's projections, I bet you the Texas Rangers could not have been 2.5%. Going into last season, they had made they had some, made some nice offseason moves and mm -hmm. everything else and spent some money and, and obviously Seager... Me and some of their stars were there, but were they greater than two and a half percent last year going into it? I don't think they were, but they had a, as I said, a, a bunch of guys take a significant step forward. Their stars were absolute stars and they jumped out. And I think that's going to be pivotal here too, Salky. You know, I mean, you, you hate to make a whole baseball season. And I know when Jerry's going to join us that a week in April is not going to dictate this whole season. Two weeks in May is not going to dictate the whole season. But their Aprils and Mays of the last two years have been so difficult for them to have to dig out of. And they did it. They did it with a historic June and July in 22 that we thought would never be done again. And they came awfully close in July and August of last year to do the exact same thing, to dig them out of that. But they've got to start differently. And every team that I was ever on, right, uh, professionally or collegiately, hey, if this was our story last season, hey, you know, here's the things we got to do to rectify. Hey, if we're a slow starting team, hey, we got this team number one on our schedule coming right out the gates, and we're going to open down at ASU, and it's going to be 110 degrees, and we got to plan accordingly. I think you're going to see and have probably seen a bunch of strategic planning to say, okay, boys, how can we start April and May mm -hmm. on a very different accord? 
And by the way, we don't necessarily have as much of the pause, positive fan equity <laughs> that we had going into last season, coming off the playoff drought and all the goodwill and everything. We're going to have to build and keep building and keep proving it and keep building it back. How do we make sure we start this season a whole lot faster than the last two will be key? By the way, they don't have the Dodgers at number one. They don't? No. They had Atlanta just ahead of them. Atlanta, 18.7% uh, chance to uh, win the World Series, and the Dodgers at 171 mm. But those are the only real contenders in yep. the National League. So. Yep. Yeah. Two and it's, a half. Huh? Two and a half? Yeah. Two and a half. Mm-hmm. Is it 85? 85, 86 wins? 85 wins, 2.5% chance to win the World Series, 43.5% chance to make the playoffs. Yep, just end any of that World Series talk beforehand. And but any I'm not hearing it. I mean, like, are you hearing that talk no, 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 from no, anybody? No, 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 you're not. You're not. Right. And I don't think you will again until you go out there and improve it and, you know, get out in front of some people and put a little pressure on others. And, and uh, yeah, there's there's certainly enough pieces there. You're not a zero. What, are the Oakland A's, do they have a 0. 0.0 or a yes. negative 0.0? They have a 0. 0.0. 0. 0. 0.0. Yes. Chance to make the playoffs is 0.1%. 0.1%. By the way, that's higher than the White Sox. They have a 0% chance to even make the playoffs. Chance to have a franchise. <laughs> Well, I mean, Chicago's going to have a franchise. I'm, no, I'm, I'm reasonably about sure about that. Oh, Oakland? Yeah. yeah, that's 50-50. They have yeah. that actually a separate category <laughs> all the way to the right is chances you will have a franchise halfway through the season. And Oakland actually is at 17%, <laughs> which is surprising. I wasn't expecting Positive. that to look like that. Uh, but they are, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. All right, that's uh, some fun with numbers. Right now, let's have some fun with music. We call it ranked. Fun. We said. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Salk. Top ten list. I'm not buying it. Ranked. You know what we're ranking today, Brock? Babies. No. Baby. Well, yeah, but babies ranked. <laughs> babies ranked. Baby ranked. Baby ranked. Yeah. Is this for Gertie being in the building yesterday? Gertie was here. She's just a little baby Be part of a little it. baby dog. Yeah. How old is Gertie? Well, they thought of it for Babe Ruth, and then they couldn't figure out Babe, so they just switched it. She's three months. Ferocious, by the way. Yeah. Ferocious Stone dog. cold killer. Yeah. Didn't you think so? Were you a little intimidated Gertie yesterday? Intimidated, yeah. Yeah. I can't stay out in this room very long. Was Gertie hopping down the hall at all? Is she still hopping? She does some hopping, but you have to sort of yesterday. throw something for her to go hop after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she does like a... She does like to, to do some hopping. Swaddle me. Swaddle me like a baby. Thanks, Brock. Appreciate what? that. Swaddle me that, like a baby. I found that drop. Why you said that, that, but all right. Who doesn't like to be swaddled? Like I don't a baby? know. Apparently you. What was your original thought? What's going on with Babe Ruth today? Uh, this was his birthday. Okay. Babe Ruth's birthday? Baby do you know if you ever stay at the Graduate Hotel down in Eugene? You ever stayed at the Graduate Hotel no. along the way? Uh-huh. Justin, Mora? There's a one no. in Seattle. It's in the U District. Yeah, there's a big chain all yeah, over the country. Hotel Deca, yeah. Yep, Graduate Hotels. You stay at the Graduate Hotel in Eugene, Oregon. It's a really quirky place. Yeah. But they've got a larger-than-life-size, that dude, Goonies dude. Oh, really? Sloth? Oh, yeah. Larger-than-life-size, staring at you really? the minute what? you walk in the lobby. It is... Intimidating, like Mike Vrabel. What's his name? He was Very an old football player. It's like John Matuzak. John Matuzak. That's yeah. it. I wanted to say Mozilliak, but that's the the general manager, <laughs> different guy. 
That's not top five. That is offensive. That is a top five, baby. Wow. One of the biggest songs ever. Really, really, really tough category. Tough category today. Was that Taylor? No. Yes. Brock. Yes, that was Taylor. Come on. I thought you meant was at a Taylor submission. Where was Britney on your star list, by the way? Big star. Uh, Nowhere close to those other four. I had a Christina Aguilar. In terms of star power. Say her name again. Christine, whatever. Christine, whatever. Christina Aguilar. Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar. (laughs) What is it? Christina Aguilera. Is it Aguilera? Yes. Well, if you can't get her name right, then yes, Britney's ahead of her. Aguilar sounded better for some reason. Yeah, maybe because of Nelson Aguilar. Britney Madonna. You know that is? This is not a top five either. The Supremes? Great song. Apparently this is a much, much more hot top five than we've had. It's a very hot top five, that's sure. This didn't make it either. You know what? Bieber, as big as he is, couldn't make it. And that was his first hit. Baby Bash couldn't make it. Sugar, how you, get so oh, I love that makes sense. you don't like this song, do you, Mark? No. What? Sugar, sugar, you so What's not to like? acoustic guitar song. I like that Classical song. Classical guitar. Hmm. Surprising. Uh, Beyonce with Sean Paul didn't make the top five. Next, you're going to tell me Baby Spice from the Spice Girls isn't She didn't make it either. Baby. Emma? Man, Emma B. You there's, put- a, there's a Beyonce song you can name because you always say you can't. Even yeah. I, can, I think that is a Sean Paul song. It's not, though. It was Nipple. on her album. <laughs> you Nipple. keep saying that. Sean Paul. Oh, sorry to Justin's mom. This song doesn't quite crack the top five either. Baby Grant. All right, that's some baby, baby. As you know, Justin. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Nobody. Nobody puts baby in the corner. You got any baby back ribs on your list? I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. You know, if Tony Romas were, uh, was still around, that would probably get, be a little higher. Do you know I watched Benji Olsen on All You Can Eat Ribby like 82? Yeah, baby I believe back that. Tony Romas. I used to go to All You Can Eat Tony Romas. Wait, is there a Tony Romas in, in Phoenix? Nah, I don't could know. We, could we see Brock? There's one in Anaheim right by Disney. Yeah, it doesn't help us. <laughs> Let's go <laughs> check into that. Let's look into the Phoenix market. That seems like a place for a Tony yeah. Romas. Uh, I, would, I would be all in on that. I love those. It's a little old school Mariah for you guys. Yep. We got a ton of other stuff. I got a lot of movies. You are not going to believe this. A Tony Roma's across the street from the Peoria Sports Complex. Oh, we're going. Permanently closed. (laughs) Yeah, they're all permanently closed. Oh, no. There might be a reason for that. Yeah. You got Rosemary's Baby, Baby Driver, Baby Boy with Tyrese. Oh, you remember Dancing Baby? Yes. Yes. Ooga of chaka, course. Ooga you got. I, uh, I think you were more of a. I don't want to get this wrong. What? Were you more of a St. Louis Ribs guy than a Baby Back? No, I prefer Baby Back. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. You got Gone Baby Gone, a great movie. Million Dollar Baby, Three Men and a Baby. Wow. Boss Baby, Cry Baby, Baby one. Mama, Baby Boom, Babysitter's Club, Adventures in Babysitting with Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, there's a lot. A, a lot, Brock. You gotta, did you ever put a baby on board sticker on any of your cars? No. Uh-uh. No. Okay. Crazy. Will you do that, Justin? That. You got baby. It's cold outside. Baby beluga. Santa baby. Oh, baby beluga. I know. There's some good ones. All right, here you go. Here are the top five babies. There are so many that it was uh, very difficult 
to try to uh, to try to narrow this list down. But as you know, Brock, this is a sports show, so number mm-hmm. five. Stolen, I think, by the doctor. Yes, he's got it. He carry counts. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. And yet another Laker turnover. Doctor mm. J rocking the baby. You like that as a uh, celebration? You like to rock the baby? Uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Kind of put the baby to bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Kind of like that one. Though. But I like when Dr. J rocked the baby. I like Dr. J a lot. So that's number five for me. Okay. Number four, you said you wanted big songs. Hard to get much bigger than this one. No. I mean, it's the most popular YouTube video of all time. This is a top five song? Most Watch Amy YouTube Grant? video of all time. For people to entertain their children while it annoys the hell out of them. Sulk Amy Grant. People turn it on for their kids, oh. and then they want to kill themselves. Oh. <laughs> Number one more. Number one YouTube video of all oh time. Play it again for me. I like that song. I'd be happy to. Yes, <laughs> no problem. I'd be happy to. Not okay. What about Baby Beluga? Better Baby Shark. You prefer Baby Beluga? Well, you should have put some sound in here for that, Justin. We didn't have any Baby Beluga sounds. Rockabye Baby. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Well, that's number four. Uh, now here, this one will probably be a little bit more controversial, but I think it's a great song, so I'm putting it number three. I don't care. Well, Peter Frampton. Oh yeah, Frampton comes alive. Yeah. Good slow dance. Song. Top five is dumb. No, it's no, not. I mean, Peter Frampton deserves it, but Amy Grant. <laughs> Justin. So much disrespect. <laughs> Stop. Stop with the Amy Grant. Ugh. You're not getting anywhere with that. All right, number one Jeez. and two, Brock, I would hope both of these were ones you thought of. Certainly number two has a really, really important role in your life. Mm. And I assume you're going to start singing it right now. Yeah. Ice, ice, baby. Oh, Collaborate in the city. Ice back with a brand new edition. Something. Yep. Oh, you mean when I got up in front of my Husky team for my freshman song initiation and had him jumping for joy? You think Eli Manning can rap? Mm. Give me a break. Yeah, not like Brock can. Not like me. I'd watch that rap battle. <laughs> Eli Manning versus Brock. Yeah. <laughs> Oh I, destroy, I would destroy him. Oh, the 509. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Uh, that's a good one. Yep, that's a good one. Christine Applegate, Christine Applegate and yeah. Josh Charles. The yep. very young Christine Applegate. Yeah. I love the Beach Boy song, Don't Worry Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton, man. There's a lot. I mean, Amy Grant's Baby Baby. I don't know if you... <laughs> oh, she's not. Shake, shake, Number one. We're in Seattle, after all. Yeah. So it makes a got to be number one on that That's about all we could play. Yeah. <laughs> you can play that whole song. That's, not, that's actually yeah. pretty safe. That's yeah, what makes those songs of that era so great is everything is like clever ways of saying did it you, instead sure. of like. Did you say Glenn sure. Davis? Big Baby Davis? I think I forgot to mention him. He's on our list here. Oh. Hmm. You like Glenn Big Baby Davis? Yeah, it's time. <laughs> he sure did. Who do you prefer, Glenn Big Baby Davis or Baby Spice, Brock? Mm, probably Glenn. Yeah, probably Glenn. Probably more if you're out. But Amy Grant, even more. Yeah, thank you. Justin's thank you, Brock. Hello. Jeez. Sorry. Johnny oh, Barnes you missed Salt and Pepper? Oh, baby, baby. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, Let's push it, but you guys use it. lines from songs, too. Baby, sure. That is a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah baby, that's pretty good. Baby, baby. Casey and JoJo had one, too. Baby, baby, baby. Yeah, we did get Be My Baby oh, yeah. by the Ronettes. We got that one. There's a whole bunch of others here. All right, we got to go. We got to go. 
Remember when Ray Roberts picked Sonk up like a little baby? Sure did. Rock me. Right to sleep. Amy Grant. <laughs> Long live Amy Grant. Grant. That woman who shows up on all of the Christmas stations every year, and I'm like, who is that? It's Amy Grant. Well, now I know. on her name. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Stick around for Bump and Stacy. there next. We'll catch you guys tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Jeff Passan. We're hoping at some point to talk to the coach, Mike McDonald. We'll see. Talk to you guys then. Until then, the hay. Barn, barn. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper!